Microphone check. One, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business. I am your host, Rohan Patra, the rap music plug at your service. The rap music plug podcast presented by QLC TV is the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. This is your one-stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue, play next, or pop into your record player. Welcome to the show. Are you a rap music fan? And not just any fan, but a true rap music fan that wants to move past the surface level discussion and get into the nitty gritty of what makes rap music so great? Are you someone who loves the feeling of discovering new music, but find it hard to navigate through the thousands and thousands of new albums that get released every single day? If any of this applies to you, this show is exactly what you need in your life. My absolute passion is music. So I gladly do the dirty work of virtual crate digging, searching for the next great album so that you don't have to. I am into all kinds of music, bringing you fresh album and song reviews and inspired commentary on all that the mainstream and underground rap scene have to offer. If you're an artist who wants to get their album or song reviewed on the show, feel free to hit me up at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com or shoot me a DM via Instagram or Twitter at R-O-H-V-I-E-W, where we can discuss a potential review on the show, potential collaboration ideas like coming on as a guest, or even if you just want private feedback, I can do that as well. I would love to be a part of helping you grow as an artist. I live for this. Nothing makes me feel better than expressing my thoughts and feelings about music. So that's enough compulsory podcast introduction. Let's get to the show. What is up, family? My name is Rohan Patra. I'm the rap music plug at your service. And today I have a fantastic episode where I'm covering a bunch of different rappers that know how to rhyme and know how to rhyme well. First, I'll be reviewing LA rapper Navy Blue's Songs of Sage project. Followed by that, I'll be discussing the lyrically dense Iceberg Theory and August Fanon effort, Dispatches from the Kali Yuga. And then finally, I'm going to conclude by discussing Fatboy Sharif and Roper Williams's Gandhi Loves Children. So starting with Navy Blue, Navy Blue is an LA rapper who is quite talented. He is a skateboarder, rapper, and a model for Supreme most notably. And the last bit of interesting bio data for for Navy Blue is that he goes by the name of Sage Alcesser and is actually cousins with none other than Earl Sweatshirt. So as an artist, Navy Blue both produces and raps. At the beginning of his career, he was dropping several different EPs that were garnering some steam and collaborating with members of the experimental new movement of lo-fi almost sample-based abstract uh, hip-hop from the likes of Mike, Ade Hakim, Earl Sweatshirt, amongst others, as well as artists like Makami and Billy Woods. So he's been really creating a name for himself as a producer, but also as a rapper. And as a rapper, he dropped a very impressive project 
Ada Irin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, which was earlier in February 2020. This project was really dope, and particularly the shining moments of that project came from the instrumentals that were really uh, felt very live at times, beautiful, tasteful, jazzy samples, and really introspective lyricism. As a rapper on that project, I liked it. I think he was a good, serviceable, capable rapper, but by no means was I all that impressed by the wordplay. It was mostly the subject matter and the production that really did it for me. But now fast forward to the last few days of the year, 2020, and we have Song of Sage Post Panic, where I think shows that Navy Blue has continued an upward trajectory and continuing to grow and refine his craft, dropping his most mature and realized project to date. Navy Blue's Songs of Sage is a beautifully heartfelt, meditative record on overcoming hardship, heartache, and generational trauma. The real selling point of this project is its remarkable intimacy, where there is a certain closeness that gets you open for him to hit you with this heartfelt and honest content. His approach reminds me so much of a previous collaborator of Navy Blues, and that's Ka. Ka being the Brooklyn MC who's known for his hyper-poetic, street-smart subject matter and his almost whispery kind of spoken word delivery. On Navy's previous work, this Ka influence was certainly there. However, on Songs of Sage, I think this Ka influence is just amplified even more. I think the way Navy marries the intimate subject matter, the refined poetry, along with the rapping delivery that sounds the most comfortable it ever has and sure of itself than it ever has in fully embracing this softer, lighter vocal approach makes this Ka influence feel even more stronger. Yet all this being said, Navy Blue has successfully carved out a uniquely distinguishable voice and approach to rap that is unmistakably his. While not a rapper who is going to wow you with his flow or his delivery, the vulnerability and constant laser-focused introspection will. The way Navy Blue writes is so incredibly descriptive and clear. He drops truth after truth, jewel after jewel in a manner that feels like you're reading his personal diary, let alone hearing him rap on a song publicly. The track Breathe showcases Navy Blue's improved rapping ability, keeping pace with none other than Yasin Bey, of all people, but also shows the effectiveness of Navy's approach to social commentary. On this song, Navy makes a direct reference to Eric Garner's infamous killing by the hands of the police, where he famously said, I can't breathe. A reference that could potentially come off a bit forced or just on the nose a bit too much for any other rapper. But that thought literally never even came to my mind because it's so clear from this music that Navy Blue is being fully well-intentioned and genuine in every word he says. This is why I received the social commentary on this album so naturally and with a fuller understanding, empathy, and connection to it, because Navy's earnest nature is so clearly communicated. It sounds as if Navy's just a longtime friend telling you their emotionally heavy reflections. Throughout all of these vivid, poetic verses from Navy, 
They are all delivered with an improved lyrical ability, particularly in the wordplay department. And he was already a pretty solid rapper to begin with, particularly on Ada Irin. But on Songs of Sage, he stepped his game up lyrically, holding his own against lyrical heavyweights with the likes of Yasin Bey and Billy Woods, and he skillfully finds the pocket on tracks like Evidences Produced 1491 that had more of a groove than the rest of the project's instrumentals, and he kept his delivery pretty consistent with the quieter spoken word type flow, but adjusted the pacing at times to fit right in with the beat, showing he has the range to mix some of his smart, socially conscious observations with some slick, slightly more lighter in tone lyricism that I think really adds a nice variety and balance to this project. I love the fuck Christopher Columbus refrain on this track. It's just so smart and biting, but also just very memorable and quotable to say. The track alignment here is a magnificent track and illustrates the marvelous insight that Navy consistently brings on every single track on this project. On alignment, the imagery he evokes here is brilliantly poetic. It's basically about a relationship that has turned sour that is no longer healthy. He says he thought he found his girl, or his pot of gold as he put it, but realized he'll have to go elsewhere and charm another cobra because the relationship didn't work out. It's this really neat poetic way he says, I realized I thought I found the girl for my rest of my life, but she's not the one for me and I'm going to have to find someone else. He says all that same sentiment just with really nice imagery. And then he proceeds to say that he wants to stop pitying himself and just find closure in a relationship that he feels he tore apart himself. And then there's this gorgeous line where he says, ball was in your court, I can't believe I left you open. And the way I interpret this is that it's basically him saying that he gave his partner the proverbial ball in this situation, which is basically him giving the partner the opportunity to stay in this relationship or go, and then proceeds to say, in hindsight, he can't believe he let her have that opportunity to leave the relationship without putting up a fight or trying to stop her from leaving, something along those lines. I've genuinely never heard anybody use this phrase in this manner, and it's just really moving and leaves me speechless, honestly. Quite literally, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here, I feel like this is the realest relationship track I've ever heard in rap music. The maturity, the the insight into how a relationship could fail, and the really complex, almost contradictory feelings that one may have in that moment, it's just so eloquent and wise. And the cherry on top is just the delivery of Navy that's so calming, yet rhythmic in a way that just makes you hyper-engaged and hanging on his every word. Another lyrical highlight that I want to cover here is the track Memory Lane, where he has this message that he says in the chorus where he raps, Pick a casket, lay in it, the death wishes don't last, don't last. Once that lyric really hit me and I finally understood what he was saying there, Again, I just keep using the word speechless. I really didn't know what to say. 
I interpret this refrain as him saying, okay, you want to kill yourself, go find a place to do it, but sit with that feeling, take some time, and then you'll soon realize that the urges to want to kill yourself will stop. And he's pleading for people to do that. And that speaks to the greater message around topics of mental health, as this title even is Song of Sage Post Panic. And basically the whole album fits in really nicely with that title, as this is very good for someone to listen to if they've recently had a panic attack or a recent traumatic event that has left them incredibly depressed or lonely. This is the kind of wise, genuine understanding and empathetic guidance that Navy is just consistently dropping all over this album. It's really remarkable and and really beautiful what he accomplished with this project. I love how the album ends too with him saying that he's living for his ancestors, which serves as a pseudo rallying cry to stay alive and find a way through your mental health struggles and your lack of a will to live. It was a strong way to wrap up this theme and really give a nice hopeful perspective to end it all off. Moving past the lyricism now, that's at this point if I wasn't making it clear already, it's incredibly moving. But what also makes this album unique is that it's much more peaceful sounding than it is depressing. If you haven't heard this already, you may think that the album just leaves you with this burrowing feeling of depression and darkness, but it really doesn't. And that comes from the potentially depressive subject matter being delivered with a certain level of wisdom that is very grounded and empathetic, but a large part of that is mainly due to the instrumentals. With production from Navy Blue himself, as well as some producer collaborators such as Nicholas Craven, Roper Williams, who actually I'm reviewing his joint project with Fatboy Sharif later on in this episode, and many more. The soundscape of this album is very lush and peaceful, filled with nice piano loops, jazzy samples, and ear-grabbing vocal samples like the infectious Deep Water Blue that I just keep singing to myself time and time again when I hear that track. The production really just adds to this already clear spiritual nature of this record and makes this album what I dub thoughtful head nod hip-hop. Because when I listen to this album, I'm transported into this deep introspection in my own mind. Yet, at the same time, I find myself still nodding my head because these beats still manage to have great samples and great grooves that keep me engaged from a musical perspective. In particular, there are about four to five tracks here produced by Nicholas Craven, who has a phenomenal chemistry with Navy Blue. Their connection is like 07 Brady to Moss, because the way he's able to maintain the intimacy that's paramount and consistent throughout the project, yet still giving Blue a certain level of groove, is a really nice balance that he struck. The track Seabass is brilliant, and Back to Basics is probably my favorite track on this whole thing, with wonderful wind chimey sounds in the instrumental, along with one of Blue's best performances. It makes the middle portion of this album, which is largely produced by Nicholas Craven, 
the clear strongest moments uh, for me on this project. At 54 minutes long, this project is definitely on the long side. So although some more prominent hooks to kind of add a change of pace to songs or more variation in the type of beat, basically more kind of 1491 tracks that kind of knocked a bit more, could have been a welcomed addition to the project to make it a bit more diverse. But on this project, I still find the rapping style and lyricism just makes me go into my own head. Therefore, I find the time passes so smoothly. It's almost like I'm in a dreamlike state which is aided by the calming, non-obstructive production. So I don't find this sameness to be too much of a negative or a negative at all, actually. However, I do find that the album is definitely a little longer than it needed to be. So although I can't really point to any filler, because genuinely there's no bad track on this whole album, I just think that due to it being so samey, due to it being very calm with a rapper that's not incredibly engaging when it comes to his vocal delivery, it does feel like it drags a bit towards the end more than I would like. And finally, while I certainly acknowledge and mentioned already that Navy Blue has really come into his own as a rapper, he still has some room for improvement. He still isn't what I would say a very engaging rapper from a flow perspective which adds to this feeling that the album kind of drags more than it should have. This is basically the key reason that I would still put this album just a notch below the other projects that I would put in the album of the year discussion, like a Shrines or Ural Droogs' Dump Yard project, because those rapping performances were just a bit of a step up from this. But still, the poetry and the lyrical insights far outweigh any of these negatives because they are simply too brilliant and earnest and genuine and spot on to be ignored. Just Like Brass by Billy Woods and Moore Mother reminded me just earlier this month, I am very, very glad I opted to wait until the actual 2020 calendar year finished before making my year end list because it would have been such a shame to omit Navy Blue's magnum opus Song of Sage Post Panic from the list. So I give this album a 8.3 out of 10. Fans of rappers like Ka or anybody in that experimental abstract scene that's getting so so much more popular every single day uh, with the likes I mentioned of Earl, Mike, Pink Saifu even, I think you would love this project, is right up your alley. Fans of more traditional music, I don't think this would really resonate with you too much. There's not really any kind of fun factor or easy listening aspect to this project. It's very much a project you need to be willing to put in the time and the attention to really start unpacking all of what makes this album so special. So I wouldn't really say this project is for you. But most importantly, this is a marvelous album for anyone going through any sort of sadness or depression or hardship, who is in need of something that is both relatable, but also something that I find doesn't push you further into a sad downward spiral. I can make a quick comparison to an 808s and Heartbreak, a project that I absolutely adore. 
but it's definitely not a project that would bring me out of any kind of depression I'm feeling. It will just make me further wallow in my sadness. And there's value to that and feeling that connection. But this album is not that. I think Song of Sage is an album that will ground you and give you mature insight into how to deal with mental health struggles. Serving as the musical vaccine to this absolutely dreadful year that was 2020. So now moving to our next review here, we are discussing Dispatches from the Kali Yuga by Iceberg Theory and August Fanon. Iceberg Theory is the rapper on this project. He is a New Jersey artist that has had a remarkably prolific 2020, dropping 16 freaking projects. I'm talking full-length, long studio albums, some EPs, and some maxi-singles. So, Iceberg has been absolutely at work. And mostly these projects were dropped in collaboration with the producer, August Fanon, who has produced music for the likes of Makami, Arm & Hammer as well. He has just really made a name for himself as one of the underground's finest producers. So although I was quite familiar with a lot of August Fanon's work, Ice was someone I was not familiar with until early to mid 2020, where he just started to pop up on my Twitter from time to time due to a lot of strong praise he was receiving in the rap community. And since then, I've really enjoyed all of his music that I've heard from him so far this year. And what I think makes Ice such a special artist is how he brings deep philosophical ideas to his already incredibly impressive and dense lyrical style. And then also he has just this remarkably gruff and commanding voice. As soon as you hear one second of this guy rap, you'll never forget it. You'll know exactly who this is from now until the time you die. It gives his music a certain level of uniqueness, but also a certain level of urgency to his verses that I really like. So after a year of consistent quality, Iceberg Theory and August Fanon teamed up to end their 2020 by dropping their culminating work, Dispatches from the Kali Yuga. Dispatches from the Kali Yuga is brimming with knowledge and poetry. This album has more jewels that make you think on just one song than rappers have on entire albums, if they even have any at all. And the lyricism isn't just on a surface level about a serious or intellectual topic, it actually makes you think in a way that is challenging, that's new to you, that is very rewarding when you really analyze the ideas that he's bringing forward in a meaningful way. That's why this is certainly an album that requires close listening. But once you do listen closely, you will realize that Iceberg Theory writes in a manner that directly relates to his artist's name, Iceberg Theory. The Iceberg Theory, or approach to writing, is a style that was coined by none other than Ernest Hemingway, as the idea of writing in a manner that omits the deeper meaning from the writing, in this case with music the lyrics, and leaves that up for interpretation for the reader or the listener. Therefore, a lot of these metaphorical stories that he paints are very vivid, but aren't explicitly clear as to their significance. So repeated listens for an album like this, or any Iceberg Theory album really, is incredibly rewarding. 
replay value is just sky sky high you know there are so many little lyrical gems here and concepts that i want to get into so i'm going to hold myself back from just going overboard but i do want to cover a couple so on the track third temple period it is all over this really like marvelously gorgeous beat by august fanon and ice has this incredible line where he says let god give to my work what my penmanship lack there's nothing incredibly complex with that line but just the imagery that it evokes is so strong and then later on in this track he raps heaven is the grift but it's everything after that the way he writes is beyond coded at times, so I'm not even going to front like I fully understand the line. But what I want to highlight instead is just all of the different kinds of thoughts I have in my mind about what he could mean. I know that he, he's trying to say that heaven is a scandal, a swindle. The everything after that part is still something I'm trying to decipher within the context of the rest of the verse. But all this is to say, that's literally five seconds of words. and. My mind is going in so many different places that I find incredibly interesting. This is the album for someone who really is interested in, in religion and spirituality, but not from a very traditional, mainstream kind of way. This is really some heady stuff that make you think. And on the intro track, there's not a particular line I want to call out as much as it is just the entire first verse that paints Ice as like this powerful figure that appeared at the beginning of time that was so almighty and different from the crowd from the other people who were sold a lie and then how he paints the picture of that lie that deceit that the powers that be kind of bestowed on the regular folk you can kind of make some pretty clear comparisons and connections to kind of like the typical traditional rap motif of kind of flexing saying you're the the hottest MC and the other people are a bunch of lames it's that kind of idea but just brought to this such a next level of interesting imagery and interesting lyricism that is so engaging in my opinion it's there's so much to just chew on there are just so many lines that I could go on and on about but overall as a whole the lyricism here just features incredible flows incredible wordplay and just a urgent delivery that makes you feel everything that ice is saying all of these esoteric messages and themes that he's describing even if you don't really fully understand it you feel the importance of it you feel like you're listening to some end of times philosopher speaking to you it's really captivating stuff and from the production standpoint, I don't want that to get overshadowed because August Fanon here did an amazing job. And I would say that this project along with Alexandria, that was also a collaboration from these two that released a, a few months back, are his best produced albums of the year. On Dispatches, August creates very intricate instrumentals that oftentimes had some sort of beat change here and there, which I liked. But overall, the production is incredibly detailed that feature really nice instrumental nuances like the shakers on Sam Waza, Sam Yaza, that track. Um, and also just a lot of nice, grand, lush instrumentation 
with the keys and the woodwinds as well. And finally, I feel like he managed to match the esoteric imagery of Ice really nicely in the production. Because there's a, quite a few beats here that sound genuinely not spooky or dark necessarily, but just unsettling, eerie. And I think that's what the consistent tone of this album is, which fits into this greater feeling when you listen to this album, which is as if you're listening to some previously untold truth about the world. The album kicks off with an incredible beat on One Man, Sons of Man, that is really stripped back and gives this album a lot of momentum to start. But I do find that basically until it hits track five, Dianetic Materialism, these beats aren't August's best. I think after those first two beats that I really loved, track three and four are quite similar in tone that have these kind of eerie, melodic tones in the instrumental that although are pretty decently interesting in a vacuum side by side on two straight tracks, it kind of hampered the momentum that was building off of those first two tracks. It just started the album off a little more mellow than I would have liked, but after that, these beats and consequently Ice's performance got more impassioned from that point on until the rest of the album. I also found a really nice kind of progression throughout the way the beats were, were created and that it starts off quite moody but does end in a pretty triumphant dare I say or just brighter direction that I thought was a nice a nice way to finish the album. I did prefer the brighter production from August on tracks like Drop Lager Sona Saga that probably had my favorite production, honestly, on the entire project. It's such crispy drumming and beautiful keys. I loved the hell out of this beat. But what I think would have been a nice change of pace would have been if August pushed the envelope and made some beats that were more busy and bold. Because Ice's lyrical approach and especially his voice are so goddamn commanding that it's pretty much impossible for him to get lost in the mix no matter what beat he's on so i think august could have been a bit more experimental in the production and i think that could have led to some pretty interesting results because again that first half of the project i think was safer production wise than i would have liked even if the beats were definitely still good by no means bad by any stretch i just think back to alexandria one of the earlier collaborations from august and ice that had kind of this like hazy, dark, jazzy feel that I think was a bit more off kilter than the beats here. And I thought that was a pretty nice mix with the ice. So I would have maybe liked some of that sprinkled from time to time on the project. But overall, the production still definitely a strong point of Dispatches. The final key component to, to dissect here is the features. And that kind of leads into this overall theme of the project. The title, Dispatches from the Kali Yuga, is a fantastic title, and from what I gather, it suggests that all these features, because this album is littered with quite a few features, are all messengers from the Kali Yuga, speaking that spiritual and noble truth. And this holds true, because these featured artists certainly exist 
in a similar world as ICE, but still have their unique styles and vocal approaches that add variety to these very dense tracks. So even though the beats sometime were on the samey side, the features always added a lot of variety, so sameness was never really a problem. Dispatches is really a who's who of the underground scene that puts lyrics often of the poetic, abstract, and dense nature to the forefront. I won't lie and say I'm familiar with all of these guys, but this is a great album just to introduce yourself to this kind of rap if you're not familiar, because these guests do a great job. Even though there are a ton of features here, it's actually a plus because Ice stays comfortably in his esoteric pocket from a lyrical standpoint and stays steady in this flow throughout. So the features add some nice variety, even if they too stay on a similar wavelength subject matter wise. And sometimes the features straight up steal the show, like on the Violets and Honey remix, where Def C closes out this track with a phenomenally beautiful verse that really made me an instant fan and I 100% am going to check out his catalog. However, there were some missteps at times with the features. The track I previously mentioned, Drop Lager Sana Saga with Saga Asad, was going to be probably my favorite track on the whole album. Ice dropped one of his best verses, and the production was pristine. Saga Asad's verse though, it wasn't bad by any means, but it just had this weird reverb. After every line, the last word of the bar would repeat really loudly in the mix right after. It just came off really awkward and, and weird. It just bothered me and kind of took the song down a few notches for me. And then the track with Lamon Manuel, Liber Novus. I found his feature was just okay. I just wasn't really in love with his flow, but maybe I need to hear like a full project from the guy. But on this song, it didn't really fit. But just in general, if the feature wasn't spectacular like the Def C one I mentioned earlier, I just caught myself wishing Ice would drop another verse instead of some of these more just solid features that we got on this album. By no means were the majority of them or any of them bad, it's just that Ice is such a superior lyricist, he's so lyrically impressive that I would have loved to just get a bit more of him over these fantastic Fanon beats or even just cut the couple lesser features that I mentioned and make the album more concise and shorter, that would have been something I preferred as well. I think out of all of the projects that Ice and August put together this year, I think this one was the best constructed. I think out of all the projects, the theme and the messages were the most consistent. And I think it had a really fantastic start and finish, which I find really important. The final track, 97 Cannabis, which sounded by the title that it would be some kind of bar fest to end the project, really wasn't. It was more introspective, it was calming, all over this gorgeously epic instrumental with these shakers in the background again, that ended the album off with a nice, pristine closing moment. So I give Dispatches from the Kali Yuga by Iceberg Theory and August Fanon, an 8.2 out of 10. So if you're looking for creative lyricism that pushes the envelope, pushes you to really think 
about what is being said, this album, Dispatches from the Kali Yuga, is for you. People who are more interested in casual listening or music to just play while you're passively doing something else or partying, yeah, stay away from this. But for the real hip-hop heads and real lyrically-minded folks, this album is tailor-made for what you're looking for. This album, Dispatches from the Kali Yuga, is fantastic. And before we jump into the final topic, I just wanted to mention that Iceberg Theory himself will be joining the show for an interview over the next few weeks, so stay tuned for that. It's going to be a great discussion. So now we're going to conclude by discussing and reviewing this latest project by Fatboy Sharif and Roper Williams' Gandhi Loves Children. Fatboy Sharif is an artist that I only heard of once I heard of this project, Gandhi Loves Children. He's a New Jersey rapper and really has a pretty unique, to say the least, approach to music, as I'll detail throughout this review. Roper Williams, on the other hand, is also from New Jersey and has a penchant for creating beats with really slick and smooth sample choices and is a producer that's getting some more acclaim having produced for navy blue on the project i just reviewed earlier in this episode song of sage as well as akai solo who's one of my favorite young mcs right now in that experimental kind of abstract lane so roper is a talent that is definitely capable of harnessing Fatboy's unique traits and crafting the proper soundscape for him. Gandhi Loves Children by Fatboy Sharif and Roper Williams just absolutely embodies chaotic energy. This record blends traditional sample-based boom-bap hip-hop with elements of psychedelia in a way that strongly immerses you into this weird, freaky world narrated by Fatboy Sharif. Our lead vocalist, Fatboy, has a distinct and hyper-expressive flow that further amplifies his absurdist lyricism and imagery, and really paints a wild and extremely colorful picture. His charisma is just on another level, that it allows him to pull off these odd vocal inflections, off-kilter flows with absolute ease. It doesn't sound cringe or needlessly attempting to sound different, it just is. Instead, his delivery is engaging and fun, even if the subject matter is really often very twisted. Tragic, the album's opening track, fully sets the stage and sets the tone for what is going to be a very unique experience with this album. Fatboy here is rhyming off a bunch of dark and tragic events in the world, and midway through all this, the second verse transitions to this wilder, high-pitched rapping delivery that he uses throughout the album. This track also name-drops the title of this album, Gandhi Loves Children, which is easily one of the best album titles you'll ever hear in any genre. This illustrates just how far this album will go and how twisted it will get, and resonates with me personally due to my Indian roots, uh, since Gandhi is a renowned figure all across the world for preaching non-violence, yet was a pedophile and a vehement racist. 
So in a lot of ways, the really all over the place approach that Fatboy brings reminds me a lot of a Danny Brown or an old Dirty Bastard. Given his special ability to bring so many different kinds of energies to a given track. But what I think separates Fatboy from those two is that he has a more consistently outward lyrical focus on this project, highlighting the darker aspects of the world. Versus Danny Brown, who doesn't always take that route, and who, along with ODB, tended to focus more on the manic and fun aspects of their worlds. Finally, given the fact that Sharif is just so all over the place and out there in his approach, you'd think that this project is quite inaccessible. Yet, it's actually not the case in my opinion. It's definitely experimental, surely, but I feel like it's not that inaccessible to traditional audiences given that it still operates under the foundations of traditional hip-hop and sample-based rap. So that makes this project unique in that sense. And I think Gandhi Loves Children is something that a lot of different kinds of listeners could enjoy. Lyrically, Sharif's surrealist approach is very unique. He has a tendency to use violent, dark imagery, but not to the brutal extent that true horrorcore acts would go to. So he strikes a nice balance. He has a great ability to bring you into this wild stream of consciousness while still giving you some nice social commentary or observations that you can digest. Murder Them perfectly captures the chaos of the 2020 uprisings against police brutality with an urgent expressive flow over this absolutely freakish and nightmarish instrumental from Roper. Sharif's captivating personality mixed with the really strange lyrical choices that he takes and the odd imagery just really makes me engaged throughout. He's one of the most interesting rappers I can remember hearing off of my first encounter. And so the other side of the equation, Roper's production, is certainly another selling point to this album. The production is sample heavy and often reminds me actually of late 90s, early 2000s Wu-Tang beats. Because at that point, not all the beats were one, produced by RZA, but two, they were more skeletal and less soulful, I found. Beats like Nasty Man off of this project would fit right in on an album like 1997's Wu-Tang Forever. Overall, I think what Roper did the best out of all of the different characteristics of the production here is that he made the album flow extremely well. It starts off more conventionally sample-based, but towards the end, it ventures into more experimental territories in a progression that was all very natural. From Galvi all the way until the track Jack-O-Lantern, felt like a lucid dream that was getting progressively more and more nightmarish and scary. Yet, due to the previous tracks preceding this being similar in tone, even though it didn't go in the deep end, I guess you could say, when it comes to the experimentation and the sounds, there was always breadcrumbs of psychedelia and darkness in these instrumentals, even in the more conventional ones or there was just something off and eerie about them. And then Fatboy Sharif's vocal performance always had hints of manic behavior, just not as manic as it was 
during that stretch to finish the project. But that just again speaks to how this album was crafted, that it doesn't sound all over the place, even though the energy is absolutely chaotic and all over the place, the project's construction is not. It's not random, it's calculated, and I think executed quite well. And I think with the wild energy and the manic flow and delivery, is okay to be delivered in another context that's more fun, but I think it really hits harder given the subject matter on this album. Like the track Murder Them has this crazy nightmarish beat as I mentioned, but it's also bolstered by this skit with Cindy, this character from a commercial from the olden days that is jam-packed with slut-shaming and linking any sort of promiscuity to getting AIDS because obviously and just goes to show how well this album captures the gross twisted underbelly of contemporary society that's sort of humorous because the commercial is kind of funny in hindsight just because of how terrible it is but also makes very poignant and clear points that I think are again easy to digest and not incredibly difficult to understand. Past the delivery though, I want to make it clear that Fatboy Sharif can rap. He can rap in a traditionally accepted way at a very high level. And he shows this when he trades bars with veteran Lifelong on the track Amoxicillin, which is dope as hell, and shows that behind all of this animated personality, he has great lyrical ability too. I think Gandhi Loves Children has a lot of great ideas and for the most part they come through very clear and easy to understand, but I think they weren't always as fleshed out as much as they could have. This problem isn't as big because Sharif is really good at making a point really quickly and really concisely, but I think the variety and the wild energy of this album sometimes acted as a double-edged sword. where the listener isn't really fully immersed in any given idea before we skip off to the next one. And I think this could have been balanced out by maybe making the album just a bit longer. Give me more to chew on. Because I love the brevity of these tracks and the approach that's very scatterbrained. I think it works perfectly for the subject matter and for the MC, Sharif. I just think I would have had no problem hearing another 10, 15, 20 minutes of this if the album was over 40 minutes. I think this album could have kept the same approach but just extended a little more so that this vignette style preserves the, the freshness and the excitement but just fleshes out the idea and the themes just a bit more. Gandhi Loves Children though is a real trip. It's exciting, it's all over the place. I think this is such a fun listen, such an engaging listen. And I give this a 7.3 out of 10. I think if it was just a bit longer and I could really dig into some of these topics a little more, I think that would have been a major difference. Check this out if you're fans of the two rappers I compared Fatboy to, Danny Brown and Old Dirty Bastard. If you're into that kind of energy, you're going to love this. And if you're into darker music, this could really float your boat as well. And finally, this isn't your traditional listen, so for people who are into more mainstream kind of music, I think production-wise, other than a few tracks, 
this isn't that far away from the norm. It's, it's very sample based. So give it a try and just be open minded to the crazy energy you're going to get from Fatboy Sharif. His persona is really fun loving and exciting. So there's a really good chance you may just fall in love with the project because of that alone. So check it out. So this concludes today's episode of the Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV. I hope this helped you understand what music to check out or stay away from. And now that I've spoken, it's your turn to make your voice heard. So let's keep in touch. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Rowview, R-O-H-V-I-E-W, to connect with me on a personal level, where you'll be able to interact with my thoughts and perspectives on music, surely, but also on politics and sports as well. If you're an artist who wants to get their new song or album reviewed on the show, Hit me up via email at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com or just send me a DM on Twitter or Instagram. I would love to give you public feedback through a review or private feedback if that's what you'd prefer. I would love to be a part of helping you grow as an artist. For exclusive content and updates related to the show, follow the Rap Music Plug podcast on Facebook. You can find all of this information along with exclusive playlists created by myself by clicking the link that's in the episode's notes. So that's all for today. Talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.